there, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Sherm, Crazy Asian here, coming at you with career progression. Going to focus this one on selling yourself. And so we're going to go on some different paths with this, but ultimately what I'm going to be able to talk about is how you can put your best foot forward in being able to convince people that you are the right candidate for the job, or we're going to actually get into a little bit of the dating realm as well in this, just because I like it so much. I just love this concept. So let's start first in the business realm, okay? So number one is this is for the individual that is looking for a different career, a different company, uh, maybe you're right out of college and this is your first job, maybe you're looking for an internship. And so what I would say, number one, is you want to have a specific objective, even if this isn't what you feel like you're going to do for the rest of your life, you want to go in knowing exactly what you want to be doing right now. So even if, let's say, for example, you're applying for an entry-level position at a buying office at a retail store like a Walmart or a Target, and you know that you don't want to do retail your entire career, you at least want to just show that that's what you're going to do, at least when you're talking with them, at least when you're interviewing. And so that, look, Every HR person isn't under the assumption that you're going to start with their company and die at their company and have your entire 45 years of working there. So it's not a lie. It's just what you're trying to just say is this is what right now looks like the best for me. And again, don't say it in those words. We'll go through some 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 sample language here. In being able to know what you want, it's going to be able to help convince the recruiter the HR individuals, the manager, if you're interviewing, depending on the process of the interview, that you actually want to work there. That's what's going to show. And so it's not going to come across like, well, I'm just trying to find whatever, you know, whoever hires me first, you know, I'm not really that picky um, because that is not motivating for anybody to want to hire you because they know that ultimately you're not committed and the, the, the most likely thing that, that will happen is the moment that you don't like something there, you'll either leave or the moment that you find something shinier or prettier, you're going to jump ship. And so let's just go on the context, okay, that you found, that um, you kind of outlined, okay, this is what I feel my skill sets are. These are my strengths. And that's ultimately where I'd work is that you want to make sure that the roles that you're going to be playing in, the, in your career are accentuating your skill sets and particularly your strengths or their specific weaknesses that you want to make into strengths. And so let's use, for example, that you're really good at um, analyzing data and you want to be able to, and maybe you're really good at um, Excel. So as you're interviewing for this, you know, let's say it's a, in a manufacturing job and it's, you know, in their, in their, in their office administrative role and you're going to be looking at uh, basically, you know, invoices and, and things along those lines in, in order to drive revenue. Um, what you're going to want to say is, I am, you know, hi, my name is Jim. I am focused on getting a career with your company because I would like the opportunity to really focus on my strengths, which are looking at data, identifying what's really driving the ultimate business, and one of the things that I'm really good at is Excel spreadsheets. An area that I'd like to focus in on is how that 
that skill set can be utilized in a in the manufacturing industry. And so this can be extremely powerful for you as you start interviewing because you're going to be coming across as somebody that knows what they want. And again, even if it's something that you're not thinking you're going to do for the rest of your career, that's okay. What you're doing is you're putting your best foot forward with all the information that you have right now. And that is going to be much more compelling in the conversation. So recap, have an objective, leverage your strengths, focus on overcoming your weaknesses, and know that the job that you're interviewing for or the company that you're interviewing for can satisfy what you're ultimately looking for. Be specific. Selling Yourself Part 2, the interview. So this one becomes extremely important. Before you go into the interview, you need to be prepared. So one of the first things you want to do is have a look at your clothing choice. Now, I don't mean that you need to go to the local store and get new clothing. However, I would say that you want to put your best foot forward. And so you're going to overdress than underdress, right? So don't wear a t-shirt that's got a bunch of um, slang words on it or has like political views on it or, you know, um, standing here next to stupid and it's got an arrow pointing to the left or to the right. Like those aren't, you know, those aren't valuable clothing, uh, pieces of clothing to wear. And so there's this old phrase that you want to dress for the position that you ultimately want. So for a lot of people, they don't want that entry-level job. They want the CEO's job. And so they, you ultimately, in an interview, want to dress that realm, right? Even though that might not necessarily be the clothing you wear every single day, you might, you might want to be able to at least be overdressed than underdressed. And if you do wear a t-shirt, have it be as plain as possible. Avoid any kind of you know huge logos, huge letters, um, or words or sayings just because it's not going to be flattering and and nor, nor do you want to be able to set a statement that could potentially just veer you off the wrong the wrong track so once you have you know the nice clothing that you're wearing the other one is to be able to have a look at what you're bringing along so this is going to be um, I would bring like four to six copies of your own you know, your resume so just print a, print a few off I don't think you have to have it on special paper I don't think that's that's necessary obviously you have the face-to-face -face interview so they already know what you are who you are it's just that the resume might be useful to give to other people if let's say there's a panel interview or you're being interviewed by more than one person the other thing that I would have is a reference sheet. So this is anywhere between three to six individuals that will vouch for your abilities as a worker. Um, and I think this can be really, really helpful to be able to have it at on hand. So that way, if the interview is going really well, and this is one of their pro steps in their process, they'll at least have all the um, contact information for the people that you think that they should get a hold of who can testify of your ability to deliver. Now, of course, talk to these people ahead of time. If it's a friend of yours, if it's a coworker, if it's a previous boss, make sure that they are okay with being put down as your reference and that they're gonna talk you up, right? You, there's no value in putting somebody's name down that's not gonna speak very highly of you. That's not a lot of, there's not a lot of value in that. So finally, you have your clothing choice, you have your resume, your reference, reference sheet, 
and now you are ready for that interview. So one of the first things that I would have you do is prepare for potential interview questions. And you can Google this, top interview questions, and they're gonna be something along the lines of, you know, can you tell me a time, so they're scenario-based. Can you give me, tell me a time where you failed? Can you tell me a time where you had to lead another group? Can you tell me a time where you had to, had to resolve conflicts? And so the, what they're looking for is, can you be specific in your description? Can you tell me exactly the tasks that had to get done? Can you tell me the actions that you took? And then finally, what was the result? So that's the STAR method. Specific situation, what were the tasks at hand, what were the action steps that were done, and then finally, what was the results? And by using this STAR method, it's gonna help you just stay on point to answer those scenario questions. Other questions that are gonna come up are, where do you see yourself in five years? How'd you hear about the position? We're interviewing many people for this position. Why do you think we should hire you over everybody else? And so you definitely don't want to like poo-poo on other people. You just want to talk about your deliverables, who you are and why they should be um, hiring you. Um, what are your what are your weaknesses? Now, don't use that crazy, I don't have any weaknesses or, you know, the weaknesses I care too much or, you know, I'm, I'm too dedicated. Those, those answers suck. So what are you truly working on? And that's totally okay to be vulnerable. Um, However, don't be like, you know, I'm dealing with the voices in my head, um, so I'm taking a lot of medication for that. Don't be unstable, don't be crazy. Um, be prepared to answer those questions. And don't ask about money in the first interview. That's a guaranteed way not to get the second. Sherm here, Crazy Agent. Let's continue this conversation about if you decide that you're, you're not necessarily changing careers, you're more or less, though, in a job that you need to sell yourself. Maybe you're networking, maybe you're in sales uh, specifically, maybe you're in marketing, uh, maybe you just want to be able to hold yourself in, in the community as uh, an industry expert. And so this is the idea, is to first to be able to work on your elevator speech. Now, one of the things that you want to avoid is industry jargon. So many times people, they say... Um, the, the, you know, where do you work or what do you do? They end up just saying, telling them a title. The problem with titles is there's a lot of ambiguity that exists with that or there's a lot of bias. So what you want to be able to do is have ultimately your elevator speech be one or two sentences that delivers on the benefit of what you actually do. So, for example, let's say you're in sales and pharmaceuticals. You help doctors understand the landscape of a specific drug, right, or, or 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 the benefits to their patients of reducing their their um, their uh, their blood pressure, and so, um, or they help doctors help their patients live longer. That's what they end up ultimately doing. They don't peddle drugs, right? Um, although, yes, they want they want the doctors to prescribe their drugs to their patients. What they're ultimately you want to be able to do in your elevator speech is give the benefit of the end user of what you do. So as a pharmaceutical rep, typically you're dealing with doctors, and so you're helping them understand the landscape of the pharmaceutical world. And that's the benefit to the docs, ultimately, so that way they can prescribe the right medication to their patients. And so that's really where you want to come off um, from is what is your elevator speech 
how does it ultimately benefit others and have that be a part of your normal vernacular. So the problem with most people when it comes to their elevator speech is they never really practice it. It sounds really good at the office because they're telling other industry individuals about their elevator speech. So it comes across as very, um, very industry specific. So it might sound really cool to a coworker, but it doesn't really translate very well to, um, to those in the real world, right? So for example, I know a lot of financial advisors will say something along the lines of, I help people uh, manage their risk and grow their wealth. Well, for a lot of people, that doesn't make any sense to them. They don't necessarily, they understand what wealth is, but they don't know how, like, how they're going to grow it or what they're going to do about it. Um, managing risk, they have no idea what that means. It makes sense from an insurance perspective, but the average person doesn't know exactly what it is that you can actually do and deliver for them. So the moment that you have a good elevator speech, the next thing that you want to have a look at then is how are you carrying yourself? Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out and buy a new wardrobe, but you should have a specific style about yourself and be unapologetically yourself. So if you like wearing T-shirts and jeans and, th and that's totally acceptable in your industry, then that's what you should be wearing. Um, if you don't feel comfortable wearing you know, a tie, then why are you wearing a tie? Why are you forcing yourself to live into that, that kind of mindset? It's an old way. It's an old mentality of looking at your overall career, like change your wardrobe um, if you need to. And so for some people, it's just, it just might be getting rid of the tie and they feel more comfortable in their own skin, in their own clothing, and they're unapologetically themselves. If you're not comfortable, that's going to be um, a, a pullback. The other thing that I would have a look at is, is your body language. How are you holding yourself? So they did an experiment where actually your the way that you hold your body actually can exude confidence in you. So if you were to stand, let's say, in the Wonder Woman pose, that's like, um, you know, feet uh, shoulder length apart and then your hands, uh, you know, folded up in fists and then they're on your hips and you held that for, let's say, uh, two minutes and then you went on to the public or you had your, you know, you're sitting down, feet up on the desk, show, um, you know, hands behind your head. Again, um, a, a kind of a power pose or if you're standing and leaning again, uh, hands, hands on the end of a table and you're kind of leaning forward into this power pose, you actually are more confident the moment like the moment that you leave that position. And so you can actually trick your body and your personality into being more confident. The other one is of course making sure that you walk with confidence, having your shoulders back, having good posture and when you give a handshake or you're talking with someone, having good eye contact, the handshake is firm. Our body language is such an indicator of how we're holding ourselves and selling ourselves. Check out this next call. Sure, PT, you're bitch. So I like what you're saying about selling yourself in the interview, but I'm gonna judge on something really quick here, make a judgeable point. It's confidence, sell your confidence. and Sell your confidence, sell your, your physique, and you'll be in good shape, I think. Sometimes we overrate selling confidence and physique, but it will help, so. Sell the confidence, sell the physique, Make sure you're prepared and uh, just proud of your answers and stay true. Keep it up. Okay, the next part, part five of selling yourself is you've got to start looking at your engagement with other people. So number one is this is going to be almost counterintuitive for most people when it comes to talking is that you're going to be, you want to be more focused on the individual that you're talking to. 
So it's not about you, right? So we've talked about all these different ways that you could be focusing on yourself. This now, this now segment is about how you actually engage with somebody else. How many times have you asked someone, someone else's name and you immediately didn't even listen because you're so focused on what you're going to say next, you didn't actually even listen to what they actually said. So many times people don't are like, oh, I have a terrible memory. I don't have a good memory for names. No, it's that you ask a question and you don't actually even listen to the answer. We do this so many times. Um, and the other one is when you're talking with someone, be fully engaged in the conversation. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't be looking to talk to somebody else that you're not even engaged in that conversation, that you're looking for another friend. Be engaged with them. Next is, and at the heart of every conversation as you're trying to quote unquote sell yourself is, you wanna know how you can help this individual that you are having a conversation with. So <clears throat> again, we're in the business context of things. So if you're at a networking meeting and you're talking with someone, you want to think about as you're conversing with them, learning more about what they do and how they do it, who can you be introducing them to to help them gain better business relationships? Or who can you introduce them to that's ready to actually buy? And so as you're having this conversation, it's a great reminder, two ears, one mouth, using that ratio. It's extremely important for people um, to understand in the communication of quote unquote selling yourself, you're more interested in the person you're talking to. You want to know what they do, how they do it, how you can help them network, how you can help them gain more business and actually listen to their answers. Sherm's out.